Welcome to an inspiring message from Pastor John Cameron, lead pastor of Arise Church in New Zealand. We know this message will encourage, inspire, and empower you. Well, kia ora katoa, everyone. Welcome to the service today. Have you ever noticed when you're making your way around the Wellington waterfront, the beautiful St. Gerard's Church? Maybe you've never known the name of it before, but there is a church that sits up there above Oriental Bay by the name of St. Gerard's Church. And whether you know the name or not, I promise you, you've seen the church. It's that big brick one. It's impossible to hide. It has a massive cross on the front. Come on, you're looking at me like I don't, you don't know what I'm talking about. If you know what I'm talking about, can you at least smile a little bit? Yeah, thank you. That's, that's far more encouraging for me. Let me know that I'm not alone. That church sits up there on that hill, and I've often wondered to myself, why is that church there? I mean, I am a church pastor. I've spent my entire adult life working out how to grow and develop churches. And I often look at that St. Gerard's Church with a little bit of a question mark, because the truth is, it's in a very isolated spot. I mean, there's hardly anybody lives nearby to it. It's at the top of the hill, and hello, nobody likes going uphill. Christians have enough time getting to church on time, let alone having to climb a hill to get there. There's no car parking. Well, there you go. That rules out a whole lot of people as well. Yet here is this expensive, ornate, large church building positioned right there on the edge of that Wellington waterfront, boldly showing that cross, declaring that building to all that would come near. You can't help but see that building. You walk along the Wellington waterfront, you see the building. You try to make your way in a car to Oriental Bay, you see the building. You fly into Wellington if the wind is from the south, you see that building. It is a large statement. So why is it there? Well, I've Googled the building. Obviously, I've looked into it because I love to research church buildings. But this year, I met somebody when we were looking at another building for our church. And as we were doing it, the guy began to tell me the story behind that building. And the truth is, where that building's story began was with a man who immigrated to New Zealand when Wellington was still in its very early days. He arrived into the harbor of Wellington, made his new life here in Wellington, New Zealand, looking for a fresh start, looking for life to be different, looking for hope, he was broken, things in his life had not been going well. That's usually why people were willing to risk it all and come to the very other side of the world. He began his new life here, hoping that life for him would be different. He was broke, he was in need, he wanted to prosper. Well, amazing for him in the journey that followed as he not only prospered in his life and God blessed his finances, but he found in the time that he was here in Wellington, a relationship with Jesus. And while the money helped him a little bit, the relationship with Jesus transformed him from the inside out. God healed him. God ministered to him. God filled him with dignity and identity and purpose and cured him and made him feel new and different and vibrant and alive. And that man thought to himself, he thought, you know what? I came to New Zealand looking for a new life, but I found it not in a new land or in a new job or a new career. I found it in a relationship with God. 
And he thought, I want everybody who arrives in Wellington to know what I have discovered. Now, back when this building was built, you have to realize that there were no aeroplanes. The way that you arrived into New Zealand was on a ship. And when the ships came into New Zealand, they would first bring these new passengers, these people arriving in the new land, looking for hope, a fresh start, for something in their life to be different. Where those ships would dock was what is, was at a building that we used to call the Overseas Terminal Building. Now it's just a series of very, very expensive apartment buildings and some restaurants that are sometimes open beneath them. But it used to be called the Overseas Terminal Building. And when you arrived in Wellington with passport in hand, hoping to find acceptance, every step in front of you, hoping that life would open up, that things would be different, your first port of call was the Overseas Terminal Building. So this man, knowing that right above it was an empty block of land, began to work with the church, work with the man who owned the land to fund that building and to have that building built. And a hundred years later, that building is still there. That cross that is on the outside of that building was intended for all who arrived in New Zealand to know that there is hope to be found in Jesus. There is life to be found in Jesus. No matter what brokenness you've come from, no matter what desperate circumstances you're trying to escape, no matter what new start you think you need, the new start you can have, the hope you can find is guaranteed in the love of Jesus that is displayed upon that cross. And I love it because a hundred years later, that cross still echoes to a new generation that there is hope to be found in Jesus. Hope has a name, and His name is Jesus. You know, friends, as we gather this Easter Sunday, I'm acutely aware that we are a world in need of hope right now. I mean, when we think about the age in which we live, we live in some very, very challenging times. If we could just start with COVID, the fact that literally COVID has ravaged the world. It has destroyed relationships. It has prevented families from seeing one another. It has kept loved ones literally on the other side of the world. It has wrecked the mental health of probably tens or hundreds of millions of people. It has literally taken the jobs of millions of people. It has plunged the world into debt. And even though we're grappling with the virus, we really don't know what's gonna happen next. We've leveraged ourselves up to the eyeballs to keep our economies afloat, but what's gonna happen tomorrow? Then we go beyond COVID. War hasn't gone anywhere. War didn't stop because of COVID, it's still happening. It's just not page one of your newsfeed. There are still famines. I'm trying to smile because I'm trying to put a good slant on it for you. But the truth is there is a world that is in need. We have difficulty. We have, we have I'm, a, I'm aware that as a Christian, there are more Christians being persecuted and killed for their faith today than in any other moment of human history. We are arguably the most persecuted group of people on the face of the planet. We think about the fact that in our generation, trust me, the message is gonna get better. But we think about the fact for our generation that global warming just hangs over us. It's a terrible thing to live with the thought that your planet has an expiration date like a packet of milk. It's a heavy burden. 
And because of all the pressures that are in our world and what we are aware of, we are a world that is in need of hope. And we see that need of hope beginning to inflict our generation in ways that maybe we didn't expect. We're the most depressed generation in the history of the world, the most medicated generation in the history of the world. We've developed every vice and tool and fancy in order to keep ourselves afloat as we're trying to grapple with the world that is around us. And in the middle of all that, I could see it when I was driving to the service today, up there on that hill. Look higher, on the top of Mount Victoria at nighttime, you'll see it. That cross stands there. On the top of St. Gerard's Church, on the top of Mount Victoria, that cross declares to everybody who sees it that there is hope for you and that hope is found in Jesus. When you find Jesus, Jesus brings hope. A relationship with Jesus is synonymous with hope. Why is that? I mean, when you read the New Testament, this is where hope really begins to jump into the Bible narrative as a central topic and not in what Jesus said. Jesus Himself didn't talk a lot about hope. But then when the biblical writers began to describe what Jesus had done in their lives, what their relationship with God had meant to them in the way that they lived their lives, hope suddenly becomes a central narrative. I mean, just Google hope New Testament when you get home and you will find it time and time and time again. Hope does not disappoint us. His hope has been shed abroad in our hearts. We have this hope as an anchor for our souls, firm and secure. It goes beyond the veil of death, letting us know that God is always with us. Hope is in every page of the New Testament. Now these three things remain, faith, hope, and love. Hope is a huge topic of the New Testament because it is a huge part of what Jesus brings to our lives. When we find Jesus, we come alive with hope. Why is that? Why is that? Well, the answer is found in the initial work that Jesus does in our lives when we discover Him. Without Jesus, we face life's greatest challenge. Without Jesus, we're trying to deal with the greatest problem we're ever gonna face in our lives. And do you know what it is? How we can find our way back to God again. Without Jesus, we are acutely aware that God is different to us. I mean, we write songs, you know, do you remember the old one? What if God was one of us? But we all know that it makes the great lyrics of a song, but it just doesn't sound like it's real. On the inside of every person, whether you're a church person or not, there is some kind of deep knowledge within you that there is a divine being, that there is a real God, and that that real God better not be just like one of us. Give me my money back, I am disappointed. There is a real God, and that real God is not like you and me. He is, as the Bible describes Him, a holy God. Holy, that's a really awesome word. It simply means that He is perfect. He's not duplicious, he's not selfish, he never has double motives for what he does. You do, everything you do, you do for double motives. Even your most benevolent act, you do with a little bit of, I hope somebody notices and makes me feel good about doing this. And we're all got that on the inside of us. I'm not trying to make anyone feel bad, but God isn't like that. God is selfless in his love towards us. 
pure in his intentions. God is always loving, always kind, full of grace, full of mercy. He's not like you and me. God's never had a bad hair day. God's never given way to a lustful thought. God has never thought about you with bitterness or resentment or anger or lust or pride or animosity. God is in thought, word, deed, and action, a perfect and holy God. And we're trying to connect with Him. And we are aware, <laughs> like when you roll up to the event, you know what I mean? And you put on your tracksuit pants, Someone told you it was a pajama sleepover, perhaps, you know? The line between woodlands worker and fashion hero is just getting more and more blurred with every year. You roll up and you're like, you know, you, you dress one way and then everybody else is in their number ones. And you feel like you don't, it's like that with God. We're trying to connect with God, but we know that He's not like us. And into that problem, how can I find my way back to God? Comes that cross where God's own son, Jesus, in the greatest act of love the world has ever seen, came to this earth, born of a virgin, lived a flawless, perfect life, never sinned, never chose to give way to temptation, yet now can empathize with every struggle you've ever had in your life with sin. And at the age of 33, Jesus died upon that cross, not for his own wrongdoing, but for every sin in the world, every wrong I've ever done, every thought that I shouldn't have thought, every action I've ever done, all the pride in me, all the selfishness in me, all the, all the bitterness I've ever harbored, all the things I've ever wanted that I didn't really need, all the sin that is in my life, that's what Jesus died for. That's what Jesus died for, not only in my life, but in your life. And now because of that loving Jesus, no matter what we have done in our lives, no matter how holy we might feel or how blemished we are or where we are, all can find their way back to a loving relationship with God because of the cross of Jesus. If you believe that, put your hands together like you mean it and give Jesus the praise that He is worthy of on Resurrection Sunday. And then he rose three days later, victorious over sin and death. The grave can't hold him. Sin can't hold him. Death can't hold him. That means that when I receive Jesus into my life, it doesn't matter what I face, what I encounter, what difficulties come my way, I can already look in my life to the end of the story. And I can know that Jesus has conquered the grave. Heaven is my home. I don't need to be afraid of death. And if I don't need to be afraid of death, I don't need to be afraid of living either. And so in my life, when Jesus comes to me, He awakens hope on the inside of me. And what Jesus wants for every single one of us is to live with His hope. In a world that's in need of hope, Jesus' love is shining upon that cross echoing to everybody hearing this message today. God loves you. God cares about you. God's not estranged from you. He's not removed from you. He's not uncaring about you. He's so involved, so concerned, so caring, so intimate, so personal. 
that who is willing to jump into our problem, pay a price upon a cross for a burden that we could never carry, never pay the price. He paid it, He cured us, He healed us, He freed us. And because of that loving God, He now awakens hope on the inside of us. Hope, because no matter whatever happens to me in this world, heaven is my home. Hope, because if God did that for me, if God made heaven my home, if He saved me on a Sunday, He isn't gonna desert me on a Monday. If He made heaven my home, He's with me today. He's with me in whatever situation I'm facing right now. He is caring, He is involved. He made heaven my home and now He helps me every day that I am here. See, the problem is that many people think about Christianity and they think that Christianity is a religion, that it's a set of rules, you have to comply, you have to do these things. That's what they think. They think, looking from the outside perhaps, that what Christianity is, is about uh, it's about living out a set of rules that are thrust upon you. And if you can live those rules, then you are a Christian because Christianity is a religion. At its heart, it's not a religion. Now, obviously, there are literally billions of followers of Jesus alive on this planet right now. So relationship with Jesus has some form of structure. That happens when you get a lot of people together (laughs) or there's chaos. But at its heart, Christianity is a relationship. Jesus doesn't ask you to comply with rules. He asks you to open up your life to Him by faith and begin the journey of a personal relationship with Him. And when you open up your life to the wonder of God, that takes faith, that takes trust. But when you open up your life to the wonder of God and you say, Jesus, I will open my life to you a relationship with God begins to deepen on the inside of you. The longer that you follow Jesus, the more you feel like you are becoming connected to Him. You're becoming aware of Him. You know Him more. It's an ever-deepening relationship like any meaningful relationship. And with that deepening relationship that we enjoy with Jesus, we find ourselves with a new way of seeing the world. And it changes us from the inside out. Our perspective shifts. We see the world differently. And the closer we draw to God, the more hope is inspired in our hearts. The closer we come to Him, the more hope infuses everything about who we are. Not just about our life in heaven. Christians that grow in their relationship with God become people that are hopeful in the most desperate of circumstances. In the last year of my uh, time as a pastor, I've had to walk with more people that I love and care for through deep seasons of difficulty than in any of my 28 years previous. We've faced some really tough times. But what has been amazing for me is to see in each case that we've faced, where people have passed, where things have not gone the way that we wanted, to talk with people journeying through the darkest events of their lives and have them say to me, I don't know if I could do this without Jesus. It's their way of expressing a relationship with Jesus is not just about 
conformity to a religion, it's actually not about that. It's about a central relationship that becomes literally the defining part of how you think about yourself, how you view the world that is around you, how you walk the journey of your life, how you go through the valleys. Christianity isn't really seen in the way that we behave as Christians on good days. On good days, everybody looks the same. Christianity is revealed in what happens in you when you face the bad days. It's not a negative faith, but it is a faith that prepares you for the realities of life. And not every day of your life is gonna be easy. And that's why in our world right now, facing everything that we're facing, so many people feel overwhelmed and overcome and desperate and fearful and timid and they don't know what to do and people are acting out and making terrible choices and probably messing up their future. That's why in a season like this, in a COVID ravaged, economically challenged, increasingly isolated, offended and adversarial world, we need hope. And where we find that hope, my friends, where you can find that hope is in the great love of Jesus that is revealed upon that cross, telling all who would come, there is hope for you, there is love for you, I care for you, I'm involved in your life. There is hope because of Jesus. We need that hope today. We need that hope today. We need that hope. In this service right now, there are many people that have come to this meeting. And maybe right now you don't have your own personal relationship with Jesus. Maybe you're not a church person. Maybe you came to this meeting with a friend. Or maybe you come to church for quite a while. But in your life right now, you know that you're not connected with Jesus. I need you to understand that Jesus loves you so much. I need you to know that He cares for you personally, intimately. Jesus really does. He longs for you to open up your life to the wonder of who He is. In Revelation chapter three is a, a verse where Jesus just literally says, I'm standing at the door and I'm knocking. If you would open the door, the door of your heart, then I would come in and I would eat with you as one does with his friends. God's not mad with you. God created you. He has a purpose for you, a destiny, an identity. God knows you. As you come to know Jesus personally, that's how you are awakened to work out not just who God is, but who you are. When God comes to a life, the life comes alive. Hope, promise, identity, security is born in our lives when we open our lives to Jesus. Jesus brings us hope. He jumps into our lives, He changes us, He frees us and He heals us. No matter where you are in the world today, if you are without a personal relationship with Jesus, it would be my tremendous honor right now to take this message, this service, and the power of Jesus' resurrection and bring it straight into your life. 
through a relationship with God. If you'd like to start your own relationship with God, then no matter where you are, we're about to pray a prayer. And if you'll pray this prayer with me, today could be the day when a relationship with Jesus becomes central to your life. Maybe you're part of the service right now and you're feeling distant from God or you're disconnected from God. Maybe you've been a church person and you're watching the service online because it's Easter Sunday. Hey, listen, having a history in church doesn't give you access into heaven. A living relationship with Jesus is what we all need. So no matter where you are, if you need to come back to God today, if you need to put Jesus first in your life today, if today's your moment where you're saying, John, I want to open up my life to the wonder of Jesus. Why don't you pray this prayer together with me right now? The words are going to come up on your screen. So feel free to keep your eyes open and let's pray together the most life-changing prayer anybody can ever pray as we open up our lives to a relationship with Jesus. Let's pray right now. Lord Jesus, I come to you. I need you in my life. I'm lost without you. I ask you, Jesus, come into my life. Be my Lord and Savior. Forgive me of my sin. I thank you, Jesus. You love me. You accept me and you forgive me. In your name I pray, amen. Amen. Hey, listen, if you just prayed that prayer right now, my friend, no matter where you are on the planet, we're so excited for you. Literally in heaven right now, there's a party because Jesus and God, we get excited about people who are saying yes to Jesus. What we'd love to do is we'd love to know about this decision that you have made. And the way you can help us is by emailing online at arisechurch.com. Let me say it again, online at arisechurch.com. Flick us an email literally right now. Don't delay. It's the most important thing you can do when you say yes to Jesus is to tell somebody else about what God has done for you. And if you'll email us at online at arisechurch.com, even just put in your subject title one word, yes, and then press send. We'll send you straight back a beautiful e-gift that we've put some effort into that will teach you how you can continue on in this relationship with God. What do you do next? It's all about how you can pray, read the Bible, connect with others, and how you can follow on in your Christian faith. So take the time, send that email right now, online at arisechurch.com, and we'd love to get to know more about you. If you would like to find out more about Arise Church and Pastor John Cameron, visit arisechurch.com or connect with us on Instagram at Arise Church and at John Cameron NZ.